Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. And Shalom. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard, and this is the House of Ephraim show with Cradle of Hope. And it is Teachers, 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 Teachers Tuesday. Yes, it is. It is February the 6th, 2024, and it is Teachers Tuesday. And first, we have an announcement. And now from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Welcome back. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard. I have a few announcements that I want to make. First of all, I want to remind each of you that we have a quarterly coming up in April. Yes, April 5th, 6th, and 7th. Mark your calendars. Get prepared. And those of you that have made this a faith project, I'm telling you, good for you. Good for you. So it is going to be a very exciting quarterly, let me tell you. Check out our website, www.jewishprofit.com, for more information. And also want to remind you that we have available Sabbath Fellowship every Friday evening with Prophet Mark Reinbold. We have a Wednesday evening service with myself. Both of these are available on our YouTube channel, Jewish Prophet. Jewish Prophet. So be sure and check those out. Well, today we are starting a new a new sermon. Let me tell you what. We finished we finished off with the uh, temptation last week. We completed that. And so this week we are, we are starting with a wounded heart. A wounded heart. And how many of you I want you I want you to ask yourself these questions. Does it seem like my spiritual growth has plateaued? 
doesn't seem like my spiritual growth has stagnated or ceased altogether. Have you lost your zeal, your excitement to dig deeper into God's word? Do you have thoughts or feelings of anger towards the Father or others, even this ministry that you sit under? Listen. Listen. As today, I minister a wounded heart. A wounded heart. And I'll tell you what, this is available. This is available and and the teaching is that is available also has prophet's teaching on a wounded heart. Turn with me to John ten ten. John chapter ten verse ten. The thief. The thief. Slewfoot. The devil. Cometh not before to steal. To kill. And to destroy. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. Satan wants to stop you in your tracks, and he will use any way that he can sliver in and set you back. He'll use it. He'll use it. I want you to read the rest of this. But I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Yeshua came to give us life. Yeshua came to give us abundant life. We need to know the vices of Satan. We need to not be ignorant about those devices. He wants to keep us from growing. Why? Well, you know, I'm teaching the the fruit of the Spirit on the YouTube channel. And if you're not growing, if you're not producing fruit, guess what? You're getting lopped off. And Satan would like nothing better than for you to be lopped off. Your connection with God destroyed. Does it seem like your spiritual growth has plateaued, stagnated, or ceased altogether? Darkness has slipped in somewhere. He has stolen from you. He has stolen from you. How many of you, if you you went to, to town and you purchased something, And you you were there at the checkout and you ran your card and paid for it and you walk out the door and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was way too much money. And so you rip out that, that sales receipt and you start going down it and you realize their computer overcharged you for 
one, two, three, multiple things. And you march right back into that store and you demand your money back. They're not stealing your hard-earned money. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy you. You are going to have to, you are going to have to be aware. You're going to have to know the vices of the devil. You can't be ignorant of them. But Satan wants to stop your growth. Satan wants to stop you in your tracks. Let's go in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. I'm sure most of you are very familiar with this scripture. My people, Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject thee. That thou shalt have no priest to me, and seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will forget thy children. We are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Wow. I'm telling you that right there. I don't want God calling heaven and earth to record against me. That's major. Let's go on. It says that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. The choices you make are either stepping stones or stumbling blocks in your growth, in your spiritual maturity. The choices you make are stepping stones or stumbling blocks. God said, choose life that you might live and your seed, your children. He said, you forget my law, forget your children. That right there should have stood the church on its ear. But no, no. For 30 years of my life, I believed that we keep Sunday Sabbath. We don't keep, we don't keep Shabbat. That's a Jewish, that's a Jewish thing. Wasn't no Jewish thing. God set that up at the very beginning. Seven days in a week. Six days you'll work it on the seventh. You'll rest. It's holy. It's holy. Choose life. Choose blessing. Darkness is out to kill, 
steal and destroy us, and he will do it any way he can. He will do it any way he can. Are you stagnant? Is your spiritual growth just plateaued? Turn with me to First Samuel. First Samuel. Verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1 through 10. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking with Saul, and it's talking about David. The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, Jonathan was David's son. And Saul took David that day and would let him go no more to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, his bow, and his girdle. And and David went whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. I bet he did. I bet he did. Saul was the king of Israel. He was the king of Israel. And suddenly David had said, okay, you're not, or Saul had said, David, you're not going back home to take care of your father's sheep anymore. You're going to serve me instead. And David went whithersoever Saul sent him, behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war. And he he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tablets, joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wrath. And the same displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands. But to me, they have only ascribed a thousand. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house that David played with his hand, as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Saul allowed jealousy to come into his heart. 
this 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 boy David, who had killed the giant, who Saul's son made a covenant with, that even King Saul loved him as a son. He said, "You're not going to go back home. You're going to stay here and serve me." He allowed jealousy because of what someone said, of what these women said. You see, do you remember why the kingdom was taken away from Saul? Because Saul was more concerned about pleasing the people than pleasing God. And he still was. He still was. He was concerned about pleasing the people, and the women had had said, you've only killed thousands, but David has killed 10,000. Jealous! He got jealous. And God sent an evil spirit. God sent it. said God did. Read that again. Came to pass on the morrow, the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Wow. What's in your heart? See, pleasing the people was in Saul's heart. And when the people elevated David above him, he allowed jealousy to He allowed jealousy to come in. Turn with me to Proverbs. Keep your finger there in Samuel. Turn with me to Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thine heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. What are the issues of your life? What are the issues of your life? Is your life pleasing to the Father? Or is it full of jealousy? Wounds? This is is called a wounded heart. A wounded heart. You see, your heart gets wounded because you, cause you allowed darkness. Do you realize David could have had a wounded heart over this? doesn't say he did. Why? Because David knew who he was in God. David knew who he was in God. He wasn't concerned about pleasing Saul, his brothers, the people. He was worried about pleasing the Father. Guard your heart. Where is your heart? Is your heart wanting to please others? It's going to get wounded. Let me tell you, I remember when when I first got married, my husband my first husband was a was a Methodist pastor. I first got married. 
I immediately became a pastor's wife. And I'll never forget, I was determined that I was going to be a good pastor's wife. I was going to do a great job, a good job of being a pastor's wife. And I had lots of people giving me advice. I was in my 20s at the time. My in-laws were 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 pa- uh, Methodist pastor and 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 so his my my mother-in-law she she knew all about being a pastor's wife, you know. And they gave me all kinds of all kinds of advice as to how I should act and behave and do and all this. And so you know, being being twenty, and I'm serving. I'm, my husband's serving a a a, 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 a parish, a parishioner, as a parishioner, and he's and 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 the people, the people there are all. Some of them are twice our age or better. They all had ideas of how I should behave as a pastor's wife as well, and I remember. I was so determined I was going to do a good job, and I began to do exactly what Saul did. I began to try to please the people. I tried to please my in-laws. I, I tried to please the, my husband. I tried to please the parishioners. I, I was trying to please everybody, and finally... It happened so gradually, I didn't even realize it. But finally, one day, I realized I wasn't happy. There was no joy. I'd lost the joy of serving God. I had no joy. It was constantly trying to do what everybody else wanted me to do. And so many times it was conflicting. I'd have one parishioner who, who thought I needed to, to, to come and attend the quilting bee every week. I had another parishioner that was like, no, that's full of gossip. You don't need to go do that. You need to make sure you come to the women's women's club meeting every week. You should you should dress this way. No, you should dress that way. And I began to look at and I began to realize you can't please all the people. You can't please them all. And I was like in a room, a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. By the time I'd make one person happy, I'd get my tail ran over by another person because they weren't happy. And the bottom line was I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. Now, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't real. I mean, I'd heard the story of Saul and King Saul and David and all that, but I hadn't studied it. I didn't realize how he was guilty of pleasing the people and I was doing the very same thing. 
But I remember searching my heart, praying to God, and saying, you know what, God? I'm going to quit trying to please the people, and I want to please you. And I have to be true to me. I have to do what I want to do as a pastor's wife. If I want to go to the quilting bee, I'll go to the quilting bee. If I don't, I won't. They do not have authority over me just because I'm married to their pastor. Oh, that sounds bold and brave and arrogant, however you want to say it. Let me tell you something, that wasn't easy to do. It wasn't easy to reverse because, see, they were used to telling me what to do. And me and going, you know, they tell me jump and I'd say how high. And all of a sudden they'd say jump and I'd say no, ain't jumping. And they'd like looking at me like, oh, what do you mean you're not jumping? You're our pastor's wife. You're a pastor's wife. My in-laws was like, you have to do this. We know what it takes to be a pastor's wife. You're going to fail. Darkness. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I wasn't happy pleasing, trying to please the people. Why? Because I had to guard my heart. We're out of it or the issues of life. My job wasn't to please the people. My job was to please God. And so I changed. I changed. It was gradual. It wasn't a, It wasn't an abrupt change. I still, there was times I did the wrong thing and the right, times I did the right thing, but gradually I began to do more and more the right thing than the wrong thing until eventually... Eventually, I quit trying to please the people. And that wasn't important to me anymore. Keep your heart with all diligence. Darkness will try. Darkness will try to cause you to stumble. Now go back to First Samuel, chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. And it came to pass on the morrow that an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played his hand on his hand, with his hand, he played the harp, as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Now I want you to notice, he just got done prophesying. That's how the church is. And yet there's a javelin in his hand. Oh, I love you and a stab a knife in your back. And Saul cast the javelin for he and said, I will smite David. Even to the wall with his javelin. David avoided out of his presence twice. Saul did it twice. He tried to kill David. 
Darkness doesn't stop just one time. Here was King Saul, more worried about the people than God. But yet he prophesied that he had an evil desire in his heart. He was jealous, David. He was jealous. Let me tell you something. I can tell you that in the ministry, jealousy runs rampant. It runs rampant. They're more important God than the people. To please God than the spirit of religion that's driving you. King Saul let jealousy come in his heart. I remember when prophets would anoint people into office within the ministry. When he had the seven churches, he anointed elders and he anointed pastors, he anointed evangelists and teachers. And I can remember the, the people that would murmur. You'd hear them. Well, so-and-so, he anointed so-and-so last Sunday. And I've been in, I've been in this organization more longer than that person has. Well, it wasn't about the length of time you was in an organization. That wasn't what it was about. It's about spiritual growth. Jealous. Jealousy. Saul had become jealous because of the words of those women. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Words. Words. Words, words are the most powerful thing in this world. The words that you speak today will bring forth your tomorrow. The words you speak today will bring forth your tomorrow. See, we are to do what? We are to speak God's word. We are to speak positive into our world. Keep your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Let's go to chapter 18 of Proverbs, Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. You can speak death or you can speak life to a situation. And if you love talking all the time, you will eat the fruit of it. 
You will eat the fruit of what you speak. For out of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. You see, in Saul's heart was the desire to be accepted by the people. David's heart was the desire to be accepted by God. What is in your heart? What are you most concerned about? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What do you speak? See, what you speak is what's in your heart. And I'm talking about what you speak when you're under pressure. Oh, yeah, we can all, we, and, and I'm sure many of us have. And we should guard what comes out of my mouth. Making sure that I speak faith and not doubt and unbelief. But let me tell you something. When push comes to shove, What's really in your heart is what's really going to come out. When your guard's down, what's in your heart is what you're going to hear. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You can either speak life to yourself or you can speak death. Well, I'm telling you, this old world, I'm just constantly trying to get ahead. I work, 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 and the paycheck comes in, and there's not enough because the bills keep getting higher. And how, this government, how do they think we're ever going to make ends meet? They keep taxing us, and the inflation keeps going up, and, and, and we need a new government. And, and, and you're speaking death. You're speaking death to your own finances. I'm telling you, every time I try to do something, it fails. You're speaking death to your own activities. I'm telling you, every time I buy something, it's it's the lemon. You're speaking death to your own situation. Yeah, one of you says, yeah, Sister Don, I tried that speaking life thing. I, I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to get a better job, and I'm still stuck at the job I'm at. Give it time. Maybe God's got something you need to learn at that job. Maybe there's something you need to know, something you need to change in you. Why don't you try praying and saying, God, What's holding me back from a better job? Maybe you have the wrong attitude at your job. Maybe you're slothful and you don't show up on time or leave at the correct time. Maybe you're calling in sick more than you're arriving well. Maybe you have a bad attitude and you don't get along with with your coworkers or your boss. Maybe you're behaving like a spoiled brat. 
And God's like, I could give you a better job tomorrow, but you'd lose it because they would expect more than what you're willing to give. What comes out of your mouth? What's the words you speak? The words that you speak today will frame your tomorrows. They'll frame your tomorrows. What you had to say about your finances, your job, your children, your your life, is that what you want it to be tomorrow? Well, I'm just telling you, it just never works out for me. Is that what you want? Life and death are in the power of your tongue. I think I shared, if not on this blog, but I shared on the on the YouTube, I don't remember which. Years ago, I found that scriptures that said that everything they put their hand to prospered. And I was like, God, I would like everything I put my hand to to prosper. God, I would like that to happen. God, every time I try to do stuff, it just seems like it doesn't work out. But I began to sure I began to pray it. I began to believe it. Oh, it took years. It took years. In fact, it got to the point that I wasn't even really even thinking much about it. And one day, somebody said something about, man, you are, it seems like it doesn't matter what you do, you're successful at it. And I'm like, really? And I went home and I went into prayer and God said, you prayed, you believed that everything you set your hand to would prosper. And you see, I'd grown. I'd grown spiritually enough that that could happen. It wasn't always like that. Now I have to be careful that I don't set my hand to things that I need to be setting my hand to. Let's go back up into verse 10. We're in Proverbs 18. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. You can run to the name of the Lord. You can run to God and and there's safety. There's safety. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. Well, I can just buy my way out of that. And as a high wall, is his conceit. He stands tall in his self-conceited. Before destruction of the heart of man is haughty, before honor is humility. God is looking for humility. God, I... I'm not capable of everything I set my hand to to prosper. But through you, 
through you because I honor you, because I serve you, because I, you cause everything I set my hand to to prosper. God honors humility, broken and contrite heart that God's more looking for. A heart that will say, God, show me what I'm doing wrong. Show me what I'm doing wrong. Verse 13. He that answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and shame to him. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? A wounded spirit. You see, that's what had happened to me. That's what had happened to me when I was trying to please the people, when I was trying to please my in-laws. My spirit had gotten wounded because I wasn't pleasing nobody. I'd make one person happy and I'd make four people upset. And my spirit became wounded. To the point that I didn't want anything to do with this being a pastor's wife. To the point I didn't want to do anything for, for anybody in the, in the church. To the point that I realized I couldn't please my in-laws if I stood on my head and whistled Dixie, as prophet would say. And I'm not capable of standing on my head, nor can I whistle. Spirit had become wounded. The spirit of the man, man will sustain his infirmities, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Who can bear? You can't bear a wounded spirit. And my spirit had become wounded trying to please the people instead of pleasing God. And then I had to make a change. I had to make a change. It was time for Miss Donna to change. It was time for Miss Donna to realize as a pastor's wife, I'm to please the Father. As a wife, I'm to please the Father. As a, as a mother, I'm to please the Father. We're to be Father pleasers, not people pleasers. And my spirit had become wounded because the people had wounded me because Satan comes to steal kill and destroy. My spirit was wounded. God said, come. Come to me. 
I can heal a wounded heart. I can heal a wounded spirit. But you can't bear it. You can't bear it. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. I had to learn to seek knowledge from God. Not my in-laws, not the parishioners, but from God. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, God? Chapter, verse 19, we're still in chapter 18. The brother, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Some of you have wounded hearts. And you, you have put up bars like on a castle to protect yourself. And you won't let anybody in. Because you've been hurt. And so you have, you, you, you've, you've put this wall up. You put this wall up. Nobody's going to hurt you like that again. Put bars on your heart. Someone that has been offended. See what happens to their heart. You offend them and all of a sudden the heart becomes hard. Just like the bars of a castle. But God can wound those hearts. I mean, God can heal those hearts. Those wounded hearts. God can heal those wounded hearts. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. I love the Proverbs. I'm telling you. There's so much wisdom in Proverbs. Hell, verse 11 through 15. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of men. Your heart is before the Lord. God knows your heart. He knows what's in your heart. A scorner loveth not one that reproves him. Neither will he go unto the wise. You ever notice that? They won't come to somebody with wisdom. No, 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 no. I'm smarter. I'm smarter. Saul didn't go to the go to the prophet. No, he didn't go to the prophet. And when the prophet came to him and said, "Hey, you didn't do what you were told," he goes, "Yes, I did." Arrogance! I know better than you do, God. Corner loves not one that reproves him, neither 
will he go into the, unto the wise. Verse 13, a merry heart, a merry heart, maketh a cheerful countenance. Sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart has a cheerful countenance. I remember when I was a teenager, I had begun to notice the older women in our church and in our neighborhood. And I noticed that a lot of the older women, their faces were full of wrinkles, but they were like mad, angry wrinkles. They were just scrounging. Have you ever seen that? It just But this one lady in our neighborhood, I had to look at her wrinkles. And I called them smile wrinkles. She had wrinkles like everybody else. But her countenance was different. Her wrinkles looked happy. Happy. And I can remember as a child thinking, when I get old, I want to have smile wrinkles. I want to have smile wrinkles. A merry heart. Make it a cheerful countenance. A merry heart. Make it a cheerful countenance. I can remember there was a girl that was just a few years older than me, and and the church that that the pews, they were they were are in a in a semicircle, and where I sat during the sermon, every once in a while, if you looked around, I'd catch her eye, and every time, every time, when she saw, when she looked my direction, she'd smile, and I got to watching her. It didn't matter who looked at her, talked to her, spoke to her. She smiled. And I was like, God, I don't want to be that way. I want to be happy. I want to smile when people look at me. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The condition of your heart. The heart of him that has understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that has a merry heart as a continual feast. I made a mental decision as a young girl that I was going to be happy, that I was going to be cheerful, that I was going to smile, that I was going to have a merry heart, that I was going to look at the glass 
half full, not half empty. Oh, I didn't understand at that time exactly what all that would entail. I didn't understand that that would mean pleasing God and not put people. I didn't understand that that would mean guarding my heart for out of it comes the issues of life. Because I've had plenty of opportunities to be wounded. We all have opportunities to be wounded. All the days of the afflicted are evil. You see, you can either look at your day as evil happening to you over and over and over and over and over again, because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Sister Donna. And he's after me. The devil's got to get me. Pray for me, for me. He that has a merry heart has a continual feast, because you're on feast on God. What is the condition of your heart today? Only way that you can fix the situations that you are in is to get into God's word. Face on it! But ultimately, it has to be you that decides what you're going to do with that word. The word of God is the only way we have to settle a matter. The word of God. You find out what the word has to say. You find out what the word has to say about the things going on in your life. Some of you have, have experienced disappointment. You've been ridiculed. You've been bullied. been hurt. She cut a bashe kaha. She cut a bashe kaha. God knows. God knows. He doesn't feel sorry for you. He has compassion for you. But he's made a way. He's made a way for you. It doesn't matter what what they what they say on social media, what they think. Social media is driving you down, discouraging you, and causing you to be depressed because nobody likes you. Just get off of it. Get off of it. Who cares what they think? Oh. Who cares that they allotted you a thousand and David ten thousand? What does it matter, Saul? You're king. Don't let jealousy come into your heart. 
You serve a mighty God. You serve a mighty God. A God that sent his son to die for you. A God that has scriptures full of, of, of ability to cause you to prosper at everything you set your hand to. Get in the word. Get in the word. Father, I pray for those today whose hearts are wounded. I pray for those today who who have gone down the wrong path, Father. Shake them! Shake them! Doesn't matter what people say. Matters what your word says, Father. Yeshua's precious name. Amen. I want to thank each of you for tuning in today. And I want to encourage you. That with God, all things.